for that. Pray for my dad, Marty, as he has uh, a reoccurrence of prostate cancer, and so he begins treatment Friday, uh, five days a week for 33 times, I think it was. So pray for him up there in Mason City, and just got word this week of uh, Roger Hemmings, Mindy's, Mindy's uncle, Roger, he's a pastor of North Court Baptist in Ottumwa, but he has prostate cancer, and it's stage four inoperable. So pray, pray for them and wisdom, and um, Roger, he's, he's preached in this church, it's been a few years, but went to Central Lee as well, but of course we'll continue to pray for Operation Christmas Child as well, and that tremendous opportunity. But let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer, and we'll dig in together to the Word of God. Heavenly Father, we praise your name. We thank you so much that you are sovereign over all. We can trust your will to be right, even in the difficult times of life. And Lord, we, we thank today of these that mentioned who are going through cancer treatment. We pray for Debbie and, and my dad Marty and also for Roger and perhaps others as well who are also going through cancer treatments and radiation and chemo. And We just pray that you would work in every situation. And Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for restoration of strength and health. And we just pray for grace to, Lord, to... Uh, Lord, to live and, and to get along. And so, Lord, we just pray for you to work. We do pray for Operation Christmas Child as well as we look to you know, buy things this week, pack boxes Saturday. We just pray that you would bless each box as each box will contain the gospel as well. There's information in there in, in the language it's going to and the gospel will be there. We pray for the souls of each child. And Lord, we pray that they would see their need for Jesus Christ and that each, each one would put their faith in Jesus Christ and be born again. And I thank you that we have a part to play in that, even here as we pack shoeboxes. But Lord, we, uh, as, as we come to today to your word, we, th we thank you so much for the word of God that it is authoritative, that is perfectly inspired and inerrant, and we can trust it to be right. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us through the Word of God and helps us to understand it. And we do, we do pray this morning as we look at prayer. I pray that we would be growing in our prayer life, that we would not be the same as we once were, but that we would be more effective and more humble in our prayer. We thank you that last week we saw that we were to be persistent in prayer, and today we see the humility that is needed. We just pray for your blessing. I pray you'd use me according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So today we're in Luke 18, praying with humility. Last week was praying with perseverance, uh, with, per, with, pers with persistence, I, th I think it was actually. Uh, but here... Jesus is in the second of two consecutive parables on prayer, those earthly stories with heavenly meanings. And you know, here, here we see, you know, just as, as we begin, I want you to imagine with me a family with two sons. 
And, you know, mom and dad, of course, love their boys. They want them to be happy, and Christmas is coming up. And the boys knew what they wanted for, for Christmas. Now it was up to them to let their parents know. And they did it very differently. One son was a loudmouth, always bragging himself up and cutting others down. He couldn't stop talking about his good grades, uh, his many friends, how well he did and he does on his chores, so on and so forth. He always cuts his brother down and hates his brother. He yells, he's intense, he's demanding what he wants. And he thinks he deserves everything he wants and more. And then the other boy, who is the opposite, who's quiet and soft-spoken, he's kind, willingly obeys his parents, and he's nice to his brother. He doesn't doesn't even ask for, for, for anything for Christmas. He just... You know, the parents have to draw it out of him. What, what would you like? And eventually he mentions something. And, but he says, you know, you don't have to get anything if you can't afford it. I don't need anything. Do you, do you see the difference <laughs> with the two boys? One's very proud. One is humble. Now, I think in that situation, mom and dad would still buy presents for both boys. But they would feel a lot better about you know, giving presents to one of them. Uh, but pride versus humility. And we see that here in this, in this parable. It's so easy to be proud and conceited and to build ourselves up and to you know, look at what I have done and who I am and to forget who we really are as people. We are, we are sinners. We deserve only judgment and God's wrath and punishment. So, just to review, just quickly here, last week we looked at the persistent prayer of the widow uh, who went to this unrighteous judge and we saw the action of prayer, persistence, continual, intentional, and how it reveals our faith. And it's so easy for us to lose heart, to faint in our prayer life and just pray once or twice for something and then we stop praying. And we just, for whatever reason, we're not persistent. And we should. We should continue on knowing that God hears and God answers that kind of prayer. But today we come to the, the humble prayer, the attitude of prayer. What should be our attitude? Not just as we live the, Christmas, the, the Christian life, but our prayer life. We, we should be humble and you know, Christ here, as he gives these parables, he gives a lot of contrast. He, they're parables by contrast. Last time we saw the, un, the unrighteous judge who was so wicked and only cared about himself. He didn't care about God or, or other people even. And this widow who was so humble and broken. The, the contrast. But today we see a contrast with these two men. The Pharisee and a tax collector. And he just, you know, here we see one who is so proud and self-conceited and one who is, who is humble and understands who he really is, understands reality. So our attitude, is our attitude right? So let's go ahead and read this text. 
beginning in Matthew, er, Matthew, Luke 18, 9. And he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So here's our passage for, for, the, for this morning. We see the humility of prayer. First is the objective in verse 9. And how nice it is when Luke, here the physician, he lays it out very plainly, the purpose of the parable. That's, that's nice. Verse 9, he, he told this parable to some. Pause there for a minute. To some. He doesn't mention the Pharisees by name right here. Luke doesn't mention them by name, but I think it's implied as we go through the parable. And, of course, he mentions the Pharisee there. But I think we are, are included. He told this parable to some. He, there were disciples. There were followers of Christ. There were, you know, the general public were out there listening to, to Christ teach. And, you know, I think we all are guilty of, of this to some extent, that we, we think that we are righteous. We think that we do the right things. And we think that we do imp impressive things that, that are noteworthy. And we treat others with contempt or with disdain. And we just, we put others down. So the parable really is for us as well. It's not just for people 2,000 years ago. But it's, it's for us. We love to do things. We love to look down on others for not doing the things we do or not doing them as well as we do, so we think. Um, but these negative character traits, who, who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. I don't think any of us would admit to that. You know, that's me, I trust in myself. But by our actions and our attitude, we, we may do that. Uh, this is the very essence of false re religion, of of working and earning your righteousness, of earning salvation. But biblical humility, when we understand what the Bible says about humility, is realizing that we are not righteous. The Bible says this all the way through. There's some examples, Ecclesiastes 7.20. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. James 3, 2, for we all stumble in many ways. In Romans 3, 10, none is righteous, no, not one. 
No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. And that passage goes on. It's very clear. We are not righteous. We, we do not do right in and, in and of ourselves. We need another righteousness to help us. And we can do nothing righteous. We try to do good things to impress God, but really it's only the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ that impresses God. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We all have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. But there Isaiah, in chapter 64, says, Every righteous deed that we do is like a polluted garment, if it is to, you know, to... to you know, to trust on our own righteousness. It's like a polluted garment. And to give more commentary on the polluted garment or a filthy rag, I think the King James says, Ezekiel 36, 16 says, Their ways before me, God says, were like an, the uncleanness of a woman in her menstrual impurity. It's not just dirty rags that you get from the shop working on a car. Or a tractor, it's these are menstrual cloths that are impure. Can you imagine that? It's not a pleasant sight, uh, thought, but that's how it is. If you are trying to earn righteousness and salvation on your own by what you do, it's you're going to church or giving or helping the poor, and in essence, giving you know, handing God this menstrual cloth. It's just not going to work, and it's offensive. God doesn't accept it. He only accepts the perfect righteousness of Christ. And that comes through faith in his son. But here, here, here he says, those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and then treated others with contempt, with disdain, I, you know, I, th I think the King James says, uh, to, to despise, to make of no account, to regard as nothing. And we often do this. The more righteous things we do, and if we trust in our righteous deeds, the more we are judgmental and critical and we look down on others as not being as good as us, as essentially being nothing. That's the idea here. We are everything, and, the, and other people are nothing. They don't even measure up to us. That's the proud thinking. And the irony, of course, is if that's our thinking as we see with the Pharisee here, our, our prayers are nothing. And then later on, we're not even justified. It shows that we're probably not even saved if we live such a proud life and we, we hate other people. So that's, that's, the, that's the objective. And so I think this parable is for all of us to, to, to some degree. And we, we have the opposites, point two here. Verses 10 to 13, these two men, these two men, who were they? Well, these men themselves, as described by Dr. MacArthur, were polar opposites. They were the most pious and the most impious. I didn't even know that was a word, impious. The most respected and the most 
despised members of Jewish society. They were the most, you know, they, they couldn't have more opposite people. The, the Pharisee who was so revered by everybody as being spiritual and righteous and holy, and the tax collector who that profession was so despised, they were the scum of society, absolutely hated. They were, they, they were Jewish by birth, these, these Jewish people, uh, who signed up to work for the Roman government and to essentially steal from their own people. And they were hated. They were despised. When the, the, when the Jewish people went to pay their taxes and went to the collector, when they, you know, for example, if they knew, hey, the Jewish, the, the tax rate is 20%. And so when the collector says, pay up, your taxes are 40%. <laughs> well, he enforces it with the authority of the Roman government against his own people, and, and, and they had to pay it. Knowing all full well that the, the tax collector would pocket the 20%. For, for himself, just stealing it from the people. And actually, there was a lot of amb ambiguity. They didn't really know what the tax was supposed to be. They just knew that when they went to pay, they were being ripped off a lot. And so here we see two extremes, who they were, what they did. Now notice in verse 10, they both do the same thing. Two men went up in the temple to pray. They both went to the temple to pray, which is a good thing. But, you know, the action isn't what's important. It's the attitude that goes, that goes behind the action. Your attitude can ruin the action if you are proud and contemptuous and conceited. So, here, let's first look at the proud Pharisee. The proud Pharisee, verses 11 and 12. Notice how he prays, the manner he prays. In verse 11, the Pharisee standing by himself, the standing. There were different p positions that they could pray. You could, you could prostrate yourself on the ground. You could kneel. You could stand. That, that was accepted. It wasn't necessarily a bad thing. And it was probably the most noticeable way to pray when you were standing. And we know... From Matthew 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Pharisees, the hypocrites, loved to pray to be heard. Not heard by God, but heard by the people. They wanted to show off and they used long words and, and fancy prayers and, and you know, they, they just wanted to impress the people. And so I think that's what he's doing here. He is praying, you know, I, I'm sure he's praying out loud here. So everybody can hear. And he's, he's, he's very proud. He prayed thus. Now, literally, in the Greek, um, it's, he prayed to himself. He prayed to himself. And we see that in his prayer. Now, the very first word of his prayer is God. That's good. He, he's praying to God. He, at least he thinks he's praying to God. He addresses God by name. But then the rest of his prayer is all about himself. It's all self-centered. It's all, look at me, what I do not do, who I'm not like. 
and then look at what I do. Because he's really showing off to the people who are listening in this parable. And he's, it's, it's just evident, it's self-centered, self-congratulatory in fashion. And notice what he prays. He says, God, I thank you. Now, he starts out well. If you just stop right there, I mean, that's a good way to begin a prayer. God, I thank you. We should have thanksgiving in our prayers. That's important. We, you know, that's, that's a good evidence of humility, uh, is being thankful and grateful for what God has done, what God has given. But then we see that the, the thanksgiving here the gratitude is not genuine because of what you know, the rest of his prayer. It's just a, a bragging session is what his prayer is. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, he says. You know, he's so proud. He's thinking that he is the most spiritual. He's the most righteous. More than anyone else. I, I'm, I'm not like other men. And may, maybe he was referring to the fact that maybe there were Gentiles, he's better than the Gentiles. But here in the temple, is most likely he's just around Jews, and he thinks he's better than all the Jews. You know, he's a Pharisee. Um, he says, you know, he gives some examples. I thank you, I'm not like other men, extortioners. You know, the swindlers, robbers. Those who are greedy and deceptive and are okay with stealing from other people. He says, I, God, I thank you I'm not like that. <laughs> when he's, he's so hypocritical, that's actually how he was. I'm not, like extortioners. Then he goes on, unjust. You know, somebody who violates justice and the not living in a way that conforms with the right way to live. It's just living in a way that is, that is wrong. Unjust. Cheaters. Dis dishonest people. He says, I, God, I thank you I'm not unjust. I, I try to do right, but he <laughs> certainly doesn't. Um, adulterers. Thank you that I'm not like adulterers. The sexually Im immoral. Now, adulterers, that's, you know, if you to look at the definition of adultery, that's sexual intercourse by a married person with somebody to whom they're not married. If, if a person is married and then they have intercourse outside their marriage, that is adultery. That's, now, you know very well that our society tries to dumb it down and change the names. It's not adultery, it's an affair. It's, you know, how, however they want to label it. It's still sin. God sees it as adultery. Now, there's also the, the term fornication, which is different, but it's similar. Now, adultery is when you're married and you have intercourse with somebody who's not your spouse. Fornication is sexual intercourse outside of marriage. So if you're not married at, at all and you have sexual intercourse, that's fornication. So which is worse, fornication or, or adultery? Now, they're both sin. Both have consequences before God. But I, I would say 
if you're going to ask which one is worse, it's probably adultery because you are committed, you, sh- you, sh- you have promised your spouse that you'll be faithful. You're breaking the covenant to your spouse and to God. For- fornication is just breaking God's laws. So here he says, I thank you, I'm not like the ad- adulterers. You know, those who break their, their, you know, the laws of their marriage. They have a commitment in their marriage through in, infidelity. And then even like this tax co- collector, uh, somebody who, of course, was despised and dishonest and hated. Somebody who was okay with robbing his own people. Thank you, I'm not like him. So we just see the pride. So that's who he's, you know, what he did not do or who he was not like. He didn't steal. He, he said he's honest. He's faithful or celibate. And didn't, he, he wasn't okay with robbing from his fellow people. But second, what, what did he do? I mean, look at, look at verse 12. Here he's bragging up what he does. He says, I fast twice a week. Now, history tells us that the Pharisees would fast every Monday and every Thursday, twice a week. And, you know, that's more than than, than is required in the law. And they went above and beyond, and this was a tradition that they had. Uh, And I give tithes of all that I get. I, I tithe. Tithe is 10%. That's what tithe means. And he says, I give tithes of all that I get. Not just certain things like the law commanded, but everything. And earlier in Luke, and we're going to turn back there right now, but Jesus, you know, he was addressing the Pharisees and he, he uh, told them how, how ridiculous it was, how stingy they were by being very so precise in their tithes. They would tithe even on the spices and the mint. You know, all those things. And they would, you know, can you imagine taking some, you know, for example, some salt and sprinkling some salt on, on the table and counting out every single grain and then counting out 10% of those grains and saying, I'm going to give the tithe, the 10% of these grains, this is what I'm going to give to God. And doing that with every single thing that they had. You see how above and beyond that they went, but their hearts were not right. Their hearts were not right. They, they were not, he was not humble. What was missing was confession, was, was repentance. He did not deal with his sin. And it, really, there's, there's no request at all in his prayer. It's just, God, I thank you, and then he just brags up himself. And that's his prayer. And that's really not prayer at all. William Hendrickson, the commentator, he, he records a real-life Pharisaic prayer, a prayer that was recorded as having been prayed in Jesus' day by a Pharisee. L- listen, listen to this. The Pharisee prayed, I thank thee, Je- Jehovah my God, that thou hast assigned my lot with those who sit in the house of learning and not with those who sit at street corners. 
For I rise early and they rise early. I rise early to study the words of the Torah. That's God's word. And they rise early to attend to things of no importance. I weary myself and they weary themselves. I weary myself and gain thereby. And they weary themselves without gaining anything. I run and they run. I run toward the life of the age to come. While they run toward the pit of destruction. You know, you can just hear the pride and contempt in that actual prayer that was prayed. Very similar to this prayer in this parable. It's, I thank you that I'm such a good person. <laughs> it really is the essence of the prayer. It's all full of pride. But then, let, let her be the humble tax c- collector here. In verse 13, the polar opposite of the Pharisee. Absolutely humble and broken. He is the true example to follow. Where does he pray? Look at verse 13. But the tax collector standing far off. The Pharisee stood to be noticed. He wanted, he wanted people's att- att- attention. But here the tax collector says, you know, he, he stands as far away from people as he can. He, he doesn't want to be noticed. He, he felt unworthy to be in God's presence or even in the presence of anybody else because he felt like he was worse than everybody there. He didn't even want to be seen. He stands far off. He would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. Wow. Here the Pharisee probably was looking up to heaven. You know, the tax collector wouldn't. He would not even look to heaven. He knew he deserved God's wrath and punishment. And he wouldn't even look to heaven. He, he, he was so broken over his sin. He knew he needed mercy. And notice what he does. He beat his breast. This is done in extreme sorrow. Beating your breast. You know, sim- symbolically beating your heart. Your, your breast. Because that was, the heart was seen as the source of evil. And you're, you're, you just realize how sinful you are and you are beating your heart because of how broken you are. Look, keep your place here. Go over to Luke 23, just over a couple chapters. And and the people do this after Christ's crucifixion. Luke 23, 48. Let's back up just a verse, the verse 47, Luke 23. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, now Jesus has just he passed away. He is dead. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God saying, certainly... This man was innocent. In verse 48, And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. Do you see it there? The crowds, they realize, we, we've just crucified our, our Messiah. They, they realize they had done wrong. 
and that they were guilty and they beat their breasts. The same idea here back in Luke 18. This man, he just, he won't even look to heaven. He doesn't want to be noticed. Beats his breast. Notice what he prays. Well, here, just before I I get into that, I do want to say that prayer, we, we, we have to pray in humility. Prayer is not a bold declaration. Where we, where we tell God what to do. There are, are churches around our world, and especially in America, who falsely teach and preach that you need to tell God what, what to do. Declare what you want, and God will do it. Now, is that prayer? Ab- absolutely not. Prayer is, is what this man is doing. Absolutely broken and Pleading for God to work. Um, God doesn't obey us. We, we pray for his will to be done. Whatever it is. But what, what does he pray? Look what he says there at the end of verse 13. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's his prayer. He addresses God. The same the prayer starts the same way as the Pharisee. But the rest of his prayer was genuine and a perfect ex- example of how we should pray. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There's, there's a request for, for mercy. There's a plea and a cry for mercy and for God to, to, to forgive him. Uh, be merciful to me, a sinner. It's a humble cry. Of course, it's in stark opposition to what the Pharisee does, because the Pharisee doesn't ask for anything. And here that's, you know, because he's not humble. He doesn't think he needs anything. But here the tax collector, he, he knows he needs everything. He needs mercy from God. And so that's what he pleads for. He understands who God is, perfectly holy and just. He understands who he is. He's com- completely sinful and guilty b- before God. And, and that's how we all are. We all are completely sinful and guilty and needing God's mercy. I love how the New American Standard puts it in th- this verse. Because literally, in the Greek, it's not God be merciful to me, a sinner. It's the sinner. God be merciful to me, the sinner. He sees himself as the sinner. As the most needing of mercy in the whole crowd. That's true humility. God be merciful to me, the sinner. You know, the most spiritual among us are the most uh, broken, the most, uh, you know, who see yourself as the, the worst of sinners. You know, Paul was this way. First Timothy 1.15, Paul says, Christ came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. You know, he called himself the chief of sinners. Uh, we, we must be broken. David, after his, his adultery with Bathsheba, 
Psalm 51, 17, he, he says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. We, we must be broken. We must see ourselves as the worst of sinners in need of God's mercy. And so we see it here. There's a, the boastful sinner and the broken sinner. And then the outcome, point three here. What's the result in this parable? Here you have the Pharisee all puffed up in pride, bragging on himself. The tax co- 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 collector who is just completely broken and has no self-worth whatsoever and knows he's sinful. Well, verse 14. I tell you, Christ says, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified, rather than the other. Justified. One of the two was justified. It wasn't the Pharisee who the crowds would have suspected as being holy and righteous, being spiritual. It was the tax collector who who is broken. And I, I would have loved to see in the crowds, you know, if, if the faces of, of the crowd as Christ said this. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. What, what would they have thought? This is an abomination. How could a tax collector be justified? They're the worst people in society. Pharisees, that's who everybody tries to be like, is like a Pharisee, to be that religious and righteous, but justified. To be justified means to be declared righteous, to be accepted by God. And you know, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are justified. You, Christ forgives you, and you, are, you, know, you receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ. God looks at you and sees the righteousness of his son. From that point onward, from your salvation until you get home to heaven. Justified. So the, the pride of the Pharisee did, did him in here. And he, he was not a person who would have been saved. Um, and then you have the, have the adage here. Um, so you have the Achievement in the adage. Hear this saying at the very end of the parable. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Wow, there's a lot in that saying right there, in that adage. Note that everybody will be humbled. Everyone. Everyone who heard this, every one of us will be humbled. Either we will make the choice to humble ourselves and repent of our sin and turn to Christ in saving faith, or God will humble us. He will humble us in life, but most importantly, he'll humble us all, you know, in all eternity in hell, in judgment. Um, he says there, if, for everyone who exalts himself, that was the Pharisee, bragging himself up, will be humbled. Um, to, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And that, you know, that's true blessing. That's 
salvation. So, we, you know, we see it here. The choice is ours. The choice is up to you in your life. Will you be proud or will you be humble? What is your attitude in life? Do you focus on yourself and what you do and are you critical of other people? Or are you humble? Do you see yourself as worse than everybody else in need of God's mercy and forgiveness? So, it's so important. 1 Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. We need to humble ourselves. So, application... We should examine our hearts honestly. Every one of us just needs to e examine the condition of our heart. Am I truly humble? Who do, I identify, who, who do I identify with in this parable? The tax collector or the Pharisee? Which one? Humble yourself. Realize that you're in need of forgiveness. Confess your sin Repent of it. Claim forgiveness. Realize you cannot save yourself. Only Jesus Christ can save you. Be, believe in Jesus Christ. Believe in him. Ask him. Plead for mercy. God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Yeah, that's, a, that's a prayer for salvation right there. Have you ever prayed that? Have you repented of your sin? And told God that you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord. And that he, he's risen from the dead. The Bible tells us if we do that, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So important. We need to pray with humility. We need to pray with humility. It's not just the prayer of humility to be saved, but the prayer of humility to, to walk by faith. To live by faith. We, we need to be humble. Knowing that, that it's any good thing we have is from the Lord. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for this example of prayer. Lord, this, this parable. These two men, polar opposites, one completely proud, one absolutely humble. And you blessed the one who was humble. And Lord, I pray that that would be us as well. Lord, we, we just thank you so much for the message of your word. I pray that we would live humbly and pray in a humble way as well. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.